0: Everybody ready for some word today? Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If you're new with us, don't have a Bible, didn't bring a Bible, we'll put some of these scriptures on the screen for you. But of course you can't write on our screen. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can write in it. If you have one that's too holy for writing in it, you should throw it away. <laughs> and get one that you can make notes in and underline stuff. And, and at minimum, of course, you have the announcements that you pick up on the way in. They have room for writing things down. We're not just playing games. We're not just going through the motions. We are really... Expecting to hear from God. Is that you? Am I talking to you today? Amen. Hear from God. Help us to walk closer with Him and, and to enjoy His His goodness in our lives every single day. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reads, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's been stated many times before and would bear repetition, but faith doesn't come by having heard, Huh? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the day I stop hearing from God is the day I stop being enabled by God to believe the specifics of what He has promised me to the end result that I might enjoy the the manifestation or the results of His promises. Alright? So a wise person will continually hear God's words for the purpose of, again, of receiving and putting them into practice. We've been uh, studying and in this series now for a number of weeks. It's called Faith and Fellowship, all right? The, the reason for that is uh, the Lord put it on my heart to, to teach on the subject of faith and, and to teach these principles, but it was it was in me to emphasize Not only the the principles of faith, not only the rules that govern the kingdom laws of faith in God and walking by faith, but then also to uh, emphasize the relational side. As I've said in past weeks, there's the rules and the relationship. There's the principle and the person. And if we get out of balance, uh, I think we could turn this into into a just a mechanical approach to life, a mechanical approach to healing and God's blessings and prayer. And I'm telling you, God didn't intend for it to just be turn the knob and pull the lever. All right? He wanted us to be in, in constant communion where we hear His voice, where He hears our voice, where we're led of the Spirit. And and, and it's this, this relational side combined with understanding the principles of faith that cause us to live above and not beneath. Amen. There are individuals who have fallen short on either side. Of course, there are those who have, uh, who have not known the principles. They had, a, they had a real love for God, a genuine and sincere relationship with God. But because they didn't know the power of the words of their mouth, of believing with the heart, of knowing the will of God, they didn't know how to exercise and release their faith, they suffered even though their heart was right with God. Everybody with me on that? And then there are others who have been very knowledgeable of God's principles, the, the, the keys, the, the, the truths that govern His kingdom. Alright, believing with the heart and saying with the mouth and speaking to the mountain and uh, calling things that be not as though they were. But they lacked the relational component. And it was too rigid. It was too mechanical. And, you know, an individual like that would approach a situation where, you know, they're getting ready to travel somewhere, to get in the car and drive somewhere. And they've got this this sense inside that they, they really shouldn't. That something's not right about it. And so their approach is just to, you know, take God's word and say, Hey, I'm just going to quote Psalm 91. Protection for me and my family and everything's going to be fine. And they go on their way and get in a car accident. You know... See, they knew the mechanics of it, they knew some of the principles, but they skipped over the relational side where the Spirit of God was telling them, no, don't do that right now. Just don't go. How many know you can never separate faith and being led of the Spirit? It's important to speak the word, to stand on the word, to take God out His promise and act like it's so. It's also important to hear His voice and know when to spend and when to save and when to give and when to stop and when to go and when to pray and when to say. Huh? All these, all these things work in, in in connection with a living God, not just a dead word on a page. Okay. And so it's the faith and the fellowship that are, that are essential here. People of strong faith are also people with rich fellowship with God. All right. Many have learned the hard way that just parroting the words of someone else does not produce the same results. One individual might come and say, "I said these four words over and over again, and when I got to the 200th time that I said them, bam, my miracle came. Bam, my answer from heaven was manifest." And so someone else starts counting, and they start saying those exact same words, the exact same way, the exact same number of times, and, and they think, "Well, it didn't work for me," because it's it's not that's not the formula. All right. We learn from one what the potential of life is When I hear a testimony of someone having an experience with God My mind goes wow My mind opens up and says I can have that too I can experience God But I've still got to find my own path I've still got to have my own relationship And it's going to end up in that place Not just parroting the actions Or not just parroting the words that someone else used to arrive there Everybody okay? See, this is real important. Faith is born out of your personal communion with the Father, not just out of an academic study study about Him. And and, and as you set your heart on Him, the way this works is the lights turn on. I set my heart on Him to be with Him, and the light comes on. When the light is on, faith is there. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to try hard to get it. I don't have to mm, just really struggle to believe. No, the light's on. I see it. It just is. I'm confident in it. I can act on it. And so that's what we pursue because faith does not exist outside of knowledge. Now, I want to show you a few examples of this in the Scripture. So, So the first one is Matthew 15. I think these illustrations will help tremendously for us to live this out and walk this out and, and, uh, and reap the results of it. In In Matthew 15, there was this woman that came to Jesus who she had a demon-possessed daughter. And she was, you know, right in her motive. She wanted to have deliverance and freedom for her daughter. But how she approached the Lord was very, very interesting. Uh, It says in in Matthew 15, 21, "...then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region." Now, woman of Canaan, another gospel account calls her the Syrophoenician woman. But she was not of Israel. She was a woman outside of the covenants of promise, outside outside of Israel, heard about the Lord... And she came to him and she cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed, but he answered her not a word. Okay. Another way to say that would be he ignored her. All right. Now, now I want to stop right there. That's all I want to read today in the, in the, in that particular story if you read on you'll find some changes were made and eventually she got healing and deliverance for her daughter but look at this approach she came to him and she's from out she's from the outside she's not from israel and she starts using this language that to me seems kind of suspicious and partly it does because i see jesus ignore her i gotta think what's up with that why is the lord ignoring this woman She cries out, she's got a real life problem with her child, and Jesus totally ignores her. But look at the language she used. She said, oh Lord, which I don't know, he was not her Lord. She said, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you mean, son of David? What does that mean to the Canaanite woman? That's an Israel phrase. That's a covenant phrase. That shows Jesus is in the messianic line from David who would sit on the throne forever. Right? That's language that doesn't seem to fit her and where she came from and that it would mean anything. And I kind of wonder when I read this, did she hear somebody else say that? Did she hear about Jesus and someone told her, well, make sure when you see the Lord, do you say this? Say, call him son of David, he really likes that. You know what I'm talking about? But it seems like she borrowed some phraseology and tried to use it in her situation, but it was more of a a parroting, more of a repeating of someone else's revelation, someone else's position in God's covenant family, but not hers. What was the end result? She was ignored. Well, I mean, that's not the end result of the story, but of that, of using that language, it did not get God's attention, did not get the Lord Jesus' attention here at all. Huh. I think, again, sometimes we might make mistakes when, we, when we're when we just saying it because someone else said it. You know, I, I remember uh, about a year or so ago, I'm guessing at the time frame approximately, but I had woken up one morning, and there there were, I had I had symptoms coming on me, and how many know it's one thing for someone to knock at the door, it's another thing for you to open the door and invite them in, and uh, it was one of those knocks, and uh, symptoms were coming on me, uh, cold symptoms and that kind of stuff, and uh, and so I don't believe in, in, in bowing my knee to that stuff, uh, but how, however, you know, what do you do, it's there, you feel it. It's coming out, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was going. So I'm just uh, going about my normal business, going to get uh, get uh, make my breakfast and and uh, and and and, eat, and you know have some vitamins and stuff. I commonly do that, uh, have take some vitamins. But this thought came, you know, about like vitamin C. You should probably, you know, overdose on that a little bit. I don't, you know, I mean, literally overdose, but you know, do a can you overdose on like, anyway? <laughs> anyway, take extra because of those symptoms. And I thought, abs- I thought, no, I'm not. So what I did, I said, I'm not going to approach this that way. The vitamins are not my healer. Jesus is my healer. What am I going to rely on? If I was naturally minded, I might do that. So what? What? Say, what did you do? What I did is the opposite. I said, I'm not even taking these today. It might be a normal practice. I'm not going to do that today. And you know what happened? Yeah, by the end of the day, everything's gone. All the symptoms are gone. All right. Now, someone said, so that's the key right there, huh? That's what I need to do. I don't have a verse on that. I don't have a scripture that tells me to do that. I've got to live out of my own belief. I've got to live out of my own heart. It is my faith in Jesus that's important, and it is in your life. How that manifests could be a number of different ways. In my situation, I thought had this thought to rely upon fleshly means for healing. And and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to rely on the Lord. And so that gave me an outlet for an action. And a step to take that was a release of my faith. I'm not calling for anyone else to act that way. You do whatever you want. Amen. And we could give a lot of illustrations along those lines. But turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19. So you remember one day Jesus uh, over in, is recorded in Matthew that he was asking his disciples, He said, who, "Who do people say that I am?" And they gave him the reports of what everyone was saying about him, and then he finished up by saying, "But who do you say I am?" Huh? How many know it 's one thing to know what everybody else is saying, but you 've got to have your own voice. You've got to have your own message. You've got to have your own conviction in your heart as to what you say about the Lord, about His promises, about what's real. Because that is what's going to ultimately impact and change your own life. Your life will be uh, reflective of your convictions and beliefs in God. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 19, check check this story out. This was a situation that didn't work out too well for some people. (laughs) One of these we should avoid. (laughs) Acts 19, verse 13, then some of the the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who had evil spirits. Well, that sounds okay so far, huh? Got these traveling ministers are going, casting out demons out of people, and they called on the name of the Lord. But here's what they said, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Something's not right about this. I'm seeing borrowed phraseology again. Verse 14. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, who are you? (laughs) When you hear that message from the demon, it's time to get out of the house. Verse 16, then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. All right, here here we got another situation where these seven brothers trying to cast these spirits out. That's a good intent. I mean, that's a good thing to do. But how did they do it? They didn't say, come out. In the name of Jesus to whom I serve and whom I belong. They weren't talking about uh, someone they had a personal relationship with. They said, come out of him in the name of Jesus that that guy Paul knows. And that doesn't work very well, does it? Did they say the right thing? Well, up until that point, they were using the right name. They had the right intention. I mean, I'm not questioning, I don't see any reason to question their motives in trying to, I don't know their motives. But all I know is this, they didn't know the Lord. They were using a phrase that someone else used. They were, they were turning deliverance into a formula. They were turning it just into a, a matter of saying the, the exact and proper words. And it didn't work. So, if you like to get beat up, maybe you want to follow this procedure. Uh, Or, maybe it would be better to get to know the Lord. And to know Him personally. And find out that you have the right and the access to use His name. The name above all names. It produces a totally different result. All right. Now, look at Matthew 13. And then this will be a little bit of an explanation. ...from the Lord as to why things work, why things don't work, and how we can have success in our lives. In, in Jesus' teaching, you will, if you read it, you'll, you'll note that He frequently taught with a method uh, using parables parable is a story that you would lay down side of a truth. And when you have the story and the principle, the truth together, uh, it really helps to uh, bring understanding, helps, to, helps your memory to, to, to remember the principle, and there's a real value in that teaching. But what happened was a lot of times Jesus would be ministering to a crowd of people, and he'd give them the story and, and end of the day. He'd give them the parable side, but wouldn't explain the truth, the principles of the kingdom that went along with that truth. He'd say, have a good day. See you guys later. (laughs) And so they remembered the story. The farmer went out to sow and he put seed over here and some of it worked and some of it didn't work. And yeah, that was powerful. What does that mean? I don't have a clue. Something about farming though. Wow. And the disciples were, were wondering about this. They thought, why don't you tell them what that means? Because he would tell them privately. He'd get with them and explain the whole deal. And so they asked him one day, uh, Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, I don't know if that bugs you at all. I mean, that's almost sounds, when you first read it, it sounds kind of harsh. It sounds kind of like, well, Lord, you like us, but you don't like them. You know, you want to give us understanding, but you don't want them to have the understanding. It almost sounds kind of, kind of different. But let's read on and see, see what's going on here. He says something a little bit stronger in the next verse. Verse 12, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, Will be taken away from him. Does that clear things up for you? <laughs> make things a lot more. Un- right. And not only is it not given to them, in fact, I'm not going to give it to them because then they'll have more, and if they, I don't give it to them, they'll lose what they have. That's good, right? Is it, I don't know about you, but I, meet, I read this and I think, well, I don't want to be like them. I want to make sure I'm. Not one of them. Verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables because, in other words, this is the reason I'm doing it. In other words, it's not given to them. That's why I'm not telling them. Because they have something and they need to lose it. That's why I'm not explaining this to them. Yikes. He said, Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. I don't know if this is getting any clearer for anyone yet. But here we say, Jesus said it's not given to them. So I'm not going to explain it. Because if I explain it, they're going to get more. But I want them to have less. That's what it sounds like. And by the way, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. These guys are dull. See something there? They're dull of heart. Their hearts are are dull. Another another rendering of this in another gospel account says, they made their own hearts dull. And so they can't see. They can't hear. They won't understand. And you know what the end result of that is? They won't be healed. Do we see this? We'll go back and and look at this more. But there is a connection between healing, and you can put any result there. Healing, victory, answer, deliverance, answer to prayer, provision. There's a connection between the healing, the manifestation, and the understanding. People are not going to receive from God unless they understand which, of course, comes as a result of seeing and hearing. Not physically, but being able to truly see it and hear it. Alright? So our goal, then, would be not to be healed. Our goal would be to understand. I need to see it. I need the light turned on. I need a revelation. I need to understand the principles of God's kingdom, what He's saying to me. Because if I do, I'll be healed. But if I don't, I won't. And why wouldn't I receive it? Because of a hard heart, a closed eye, a closed ear. Because, watch, it has not been given to me. Now, if you're like me, again, I think... I want to make sure that I'm not one of the ones that it's not given to. Jesus said, it's given to you to know these, these mysteries. It's not been given to them. So I don't want to be one of them. What's the end result? Not helped. Not healed. I can't receive from God. So uh, this is an interesting principle here. This word that Jesus used here, mystery... He said, it's been given to you to know the mystery. It's not been given to them. You'll hear it. You'll receive it. You'll be healed. They'll not hear it. They'll not, they'll not be healed. It's not been given to them. This word mystery, it comes from in the the, the, the Greek language. And the ancient Greeks, they, they used these mysteries. They were religious rites and ceremonies Practiced by secret societies to which anyone who so desired might be received into those societies. Those who were initiated into the mysteries became possessors of certain knowledge. Which was not uh, imparted to the uninitiated. And they were called, these people were called the perfected. Okay. Okay. So what does that mean? Think of it almost like a like a sorority, okay? Like a like, again, they use the language of secret society. When Jesus said the mysteries, that was the understanding of this language. It's a it's this secret club. It's this society. It's like the sorority. Once you are initiated into it, you have access to the knowledge. You can know you know the secret handshake, right? You you you, you have access to the different things that are. Uh, ...that are reserved for only those who are on the inside. But here was the thing. It was available for anyone to join. Anyone could join the, the society. Anyone could join the group. But if you hadn't joined, if you hadn't gone in... ...if you hadn't been initiated into it... ...then you were not given the knowledge... The, the, the secret secrets were not revealed to you. You couldn't know the mysteries. Now this is what the Lord is saying. When He's talking about... They said, why don't you tell, explain to them? He said, they're not in the club. They haven't been invited to the clubhouse. <laughs> Watch. They are on the outside. You are on the inside. If they want to know, they need to get on the inside. Outsiders don't get access to all of God's wisdom and provision and blessing and understanding. Watch. Revelation, which produces faith, which receives promises, they don't get access to that. Therefore, they don't get the benefit and the blessing of those mysteries. So what do we need to do? (laughs) We need to make sure we are on the inside. We make sure we're insiders and not outsiders. We we, ha, we have access to and the right to hear about these mysteries. You realize most of our society, they live and they don't know the secrets. They don't. But I'm telling you, those who will walk with God will be have the opportunity to see things and know things that other people don't. Now, you know this. What's the, so what's the way in? How, how, what's the secret handshake? How, how can we get in? It's John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, it is a, it, it is a, uh, a secret door, which is Jesus. He is the door. He's the entrance into eternal life. He's the way to receive salvation. He's the way to receive an audience with the Father. Whenever you say Jesus, you're granted access. Okay? He is the way. And we know that concerning salvation, that there is no other name under heaven by which one must be saved. You called on the name of Jesus. You believe that he died for your sins, was raised from the dead, and you were in the family of God. Remember, Jesus said you must be born again to see the kingdom. And when we were born again, we were given eyes to see, to perceive and understand and comprehend kingdom realities so that we can enjoy the benefits of God's promises here and forever. But how many know even to the person who joined the club, if they start looking to something else, when it comes to God's blessings and privileges and healing and so forth, uh, then they've disqualified themselves because you have to use the, this this mystery knowledge, which is what—it's always Jesus. It's always Him. It's not relying upon ourselves, our goodness, our efforts. Our, it, it's always back to Jesus. And when we live that way, remember Colossians said, as you receive him, so walk in him. The same way you got born again is the way you receive every promise of God. We don't add to it. Don't take away from it. We fall, we we become totally dependent on him and his goodness. Yeah. See, then you're not a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of happy about that. But Here's the thing about how, how this works continually now on an ongoing basis. There are those, even in God's family, the body of Christ, who walk closer to Him than others. The degree of the things to which He shares with them personally are greater than what others receive who walk more at a distance. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm not talking about eternal life. But I'm talking about the daily walk an individual has with the Lord. People walk close with Him. They're in closer proximity to Him relationally. They receive... Let me say it this way. He says things to them He doesn't say to other people. He shows them things. He reveals. They have experiences that not everyone else has. And this is what I want to challenge you with in in your your life of faith. Yes, do I need to know the importance of speaking the word and believing in my heart and, and all these? Absolutely. But it is to the, really, how do I say this? It's connected to and the goal is walking with God. And relating with him relating to him on a very close basis. You know, even in the ministry of, of Jesus, we see uh, we see that there were different groups that walked closer or further with him. You might recall the scriptures talk about multitudes. All right, sometimes it gives us numbers, 5,000 men, you know, plus women and children. Sometimes we get numbers, sometimes just multitudes. But then we have another group that were, that were called the 70. They were somewhat, they were close to him. He authorized them to minister in his name and so forth. There, it was a group of 70 people. Then how many know there was another group that was a little bit smaller than that? How many were in that group? Twelve. The twelve disciples or apostles. And one of them was a thief, but, you know, had the twelve. Well, they got to spend lots of extra time with him, didn't they? And they got the, the parables explained to them. They had Q&A with the Lord. I mean, doesn't that sound good? They had their, their questions answered. They walked closer than the others did. But how many know within the twelve, there was a, there's another group identified. And it's three. It's Peter... James and John. And that group, that, those guys, they had an even more intimate walk with the Lord. They had experiences with, with God that the other, uh, the other nine did not have. You remember, you remember uh, the scriptures that talk about the Mount of Transfiguration? What did Jesus do? He grabbed Peter, James, and John said, Come with me. They went up on this mountain and the glory of God was revealed. I mean, the the glory of God came down, God the Father spoke from heaven, Moses and Elijah showed up, they were, you know, Peter was like sloshed in the spirit and said, let's build tents, you know, and, uh, but they had an experience with God and Jesus said, don't tell anybody else until later, don't tell anyone about this until later on. It was a personal experience that they had with the Lord. You know, even within the three, there was another one. There was one disciple in particular, his name was John. And we seem to have indication from Scripture that that he was even closer to Jesus than the others. He he wrote the Gospel of John, and, and he referred to himself. This was his name, he didn't call himself John. He said, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. He had such a close relationship that he defined himself as being loved by God. Loved by the Lord Jesus. He leaned upon him at the last supper at the table there as they they hung out. He was close with the Lord. Now, I think about, you know, the physical potential of that. It might be kind of challenging for the multitudes to all be that close to Jesus. But how many know that's not true anymore? Now that Jesus has uh, been seated at the right hand of the Father and His Spirit has been given to all, how many know all of us could be John? All of us can have that kind of relationship. What's the end result of that? How does that, what does that produce in our lives? I'm close to him. I hear lots of extra stuff. I hear things he doesn't say to other people. Hmm. I get to have experiences with him that he picks out a few who are with him continually and closely. And he picks out a few and says, let me show you this. <laughs> what do you think about this? Let me, let me, let me show you something over here. You think God can do that? Oh, yeah. Who does He do it for? Well, it seems to be He does that for those who walk close with Him. Because it's not about us qualifying. We're all forgiven by His grace. Our standing with Him is equal. We all have access to that. But some don't take advantage of that access. And if we only relate to the Lord mechanically and just pulling knobs and levers and speaking promises and quoting and saying what other people did and son of David this and Jesus whom Paul preached this and all this kind of stuff, we're not going to rise to this level. Our faith life is connected to our fellowship with Him. And when you're in fellowship with God, it's not just about, Lord, show me this, and hey, I'd really like it if you'd do this for me. It's He will initiate things and say, hey, come over here. Hey, let me show you this. Let me do this for you. Let me reveal this to you. And when you're walking in God's grace like that, you'll find a lot of times things you used to pray about, you used to ask Him for, you no longer have to ask Him for Because He just does it for you because He wants to. He just does it for you and it's all taken care of. You find yourself asking for less and thanking for more. Requests go way down because it's all, oh, thank you, Lord, thank you for that. Didn't even think about that and you took care of it anyway. Amen, amen. And so God wants to reveal himself to you and me. The woman of Cana got ignored when she was, uh, when she started. But you know what? She humbled herself eventually and got real and got victory. We see the Jewish exorcists, uh, they, they borrowed the name of Jesus and got beat up. Not good advice. The disciples, they joined the club. They became part of the, the inner circle. You know what? They got the revelation. They were granted understanding of the parables. They were granted the benefits that that brings. I would encourage you all today, uh, get real with God. Join the family, fellowship with the father every day and see what he shows you. I can't even, I can't even put a, put a border on that to, to know the potential, what he might show you might be things he's never said to me, but what might he show you? All I know is the end result is going to be healing. What does that mean? Think of that in a broad sense. It's victory. It's His life in your life. It's the abundance of who He is in every area. Don't try hard, though. One of the things we get into sometimes is we try really hard. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to trust God. Faith is a rest. When the light is on, I'm relaxed. I'm resting. I'm no longer striving. Faith is a rest. Don't try hard. Just believe what He has said. Hey, man, the other day I was uh, in the office and I was talking to Joe and I, I said, there's, uh, we were talking about getting this stuff. I said, there's this website. There's this website I've been to. It's been a few years. There's this website. Ah, what is it? What is it? What is it? Can't think of it. I said, "Ah, I'll think of it. I'll get back to you. So I go back to my office and, and before I'm doing other stuff, I said, Lord, remind me of that. Show me what that is because I'm, I'm, I'm pushing real hard. Ah, ah, what is it? It's like right there. What is it? Couldn't think of it. And so I went to the bathroom. And, uh, and I did that just because, you know, I had to go. Uh, and then I came out of the bathroom and I walked into Joe's office. I said, here's the website. Now you know how that works. <laughs> if you need answers from God, go to the bathroom. No, here's what what was going on in me, is I was distracted from trying real hard to figure it out, to think about it, to remember it, and I already asked the Lord, so that's the faith right there. I asked the Lord, and as soon as I relaxed and got my mind off of it, there it was. You ever tried real hard to, to get the answer, to get the answer? I mean, how many times have I been brushing my teeth or shaving or something like that, and I'm getting revelation from God? Why? Because I'm not trying. I'm in faith. I'm resting. I'm relaxing in His ability to get it to me instead of trying real hard with my ability to make it happen. Amen. Let's learn to rest. Amen. Amen.